Welcome, Stars fans, to an episode of Spits and Suds. Stars win in Pittsburgh by the score of 4-1. to one, Stay undefeated on the season. And joining me from a Pittsburgh perspective, from Fifth Avenue Faceoff, popular Pittsburgh Penguins podcast, is my friend Chris Mack. How are you tonight, my friend? Good, Gav. How are you, my man? You guys should be a whole lot happier with what you saw from your team, especially in the last 40 minutes or so than what yeah. we are. That's a, that's a great point because, you know, on the surface, like if you're a passive stars fan with everything going on with the Rangers and uh, the world series coming, a lot of excitement, oh, yeah. Cowboys playing Sunday. So kind of the stars are on the, on the back pages right now. And so you say, wow, they continued being undefeated. But you know, if you watch this game, I mean, this easily could have gotten away from the stars, like you said, 40 minutes, because that first 20 was a track meet. I thought the Penguins came out really fast. I thought they came out well. They forced some penalties. Um, but tonight, like we talked on your podcast the other day, it really it, it, it improved it. The Jake Ottinger show was on full display. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pens had, I want to say, seven or eight high-danger chances in the first period to the Stars. Bupkis, zero, zilch, nada. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it, it, the Penguins really were dictating the pace of play and getting lots of really good looks. I mean, you look at the heat map for where the opportunities were coming from in the first period, Gavin, and it was everything for the Stars was kept to the outside. So nine shots on goal at even strength in the first period for Dallas. Not a one of them came from inside what they like to call the house, from the hashes on down to the crease and inside. Uh, the Penguins, that was, I mean, it looked like a bullseye in that area of the ice, including where Brian Rust scored the lone goal for the yep. Penguins late in that first period. And it really felt like that's the kind of energy you, you would think a team would take uh, and sort of build off of going into the second period, especially going into the second period on a power play. But yeah. instead they didn't really do much of anything on that, on that power play to start the second period. I think that gave the stars some life. They even had a scoring opportunity. Dallas did uh, shorthanded during that Penn's power play. And from there, it really felt like the second period was used to kind of even things out. Jake Ottinger didn't have to do too much in that second period. And the stars were able to capitalize on, on the chances that they did get against the backup goalie who slowly deteriorated throughout the game and Alex Andelkovich. Yeah. And one of the things that I was excited to have you on is just an outside perspective looking in because sure undefeated in regulation, but I think you could now see what we were talking about the other day in that, you know, this is a very good team, but it just doesn't seem like the stars are fully connecting um, right now. I mean, you know, they did get their legs and I, I do agree they played a better 40 minutes, but it's just you look at this team and you say, wow, I think it can be a lot better, actually. Yeah, I think there's obviously there's more room for growth like they haven't even come close. The ceiling is the roof, to quote the great Michael Jordan, um, yeah. and, and and they're nowhere close to it yet. Um, like, for example, the the Sagan line, um, they produce a really pretty goal. But for the most part, they kind of went unnoticed, I thought, tonight, other than that goal. And that's what I think the Stars have enough talent for. You know, Jason Robertson gets his first goal of the season. Um, who else had their first of the year? Was it um, a couple guys got their first goal? Thomas the Harley. Harley. Um, and, and you know, they they were able to capitalize, make the most of their opportunities. And when you're as deep as I think the Stars are, especially up front, I think you can do that. You can get away with playing, uh, maybe disappear. I don't want to say disappearing, but not playing as well 
uh, for 20 minutes at a time. And you look up, especially when you've got your backstop back there who was just playing out of his mind. And you can still win a game four to one. And that's that's the vibe I got. Like, I, I think the Robertson line still had a really good game. They end up uh, with some pretty dominant puck possession numbers, um, despite the fact that they're the, they're the one line on the ice for the even strength goal. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they played really dominant hockey in the last 30 minutes of this game. Jason Robertson had a couple point blank opportunities, ended up scoring on one, like I said. Uh, and it was just it. Once it started rolling downhill for Dallas, it felt like it, 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 the Penguins weren't able to reel it back in. Because again, Ottinger didn't have to do nearly as much in the second and third periods as he did in the first, but the foundation had been laid. And the Penguins, I think, had one even strength shot through maybe the first 15 minutes of the third period. They got completely and thoroughly outplayed by Dallas in the third period. Yeah, shots on goal uh, finished 39-34 in favor of Pittsburgh. And shots on goal is interesting with all modern-day analytics because um, you can look at it and you can say, you know, okay, you know, they're just peppering the goalie, but where did the shots come from? Mm -hmm. But in that first period, I thought Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, had a lot of key um, shots in, in quality areas. There were quality uh, uh, chances. I also thought Pittsburgh uh, did a great job in the first period controlling the face-off circle. Um, and that kind of evened out as the game went along, you know, yeah. it, it was just interesting, just kind of a generic view for us because I, you know, we do look around the NHL a lot and notice some empty seats tonight. And I just mm -hmm. felt as though the crowd wasn't getting into it. You know, it just, it just seemed like a quiet crowd tonight. What's the vibe in Pittsburgh right now? Well, traditionally, the vibe in Pittsburgh uh, this time of year is kind of a wake me when the Steelers are done kind of vibe. You know, it's it's probably somewhat similar in Dallas, yep. right? To, to, you've got the Cowboys, and in a year like this one, as long as the Rangers are still rolling, they'll obviously, like you said, have everyone's attention. And then I imagine there's even moments once you push into January and February where the Mavs garner more attention than the Stars in a lot of cases. Um, in Pittsburgh, it is very much wake me when the Steelers are done. It's not that people don't care about the Penguins. The average mainstream Pittsburgh sports fan does care. They're just not paying as close attention. And especially when a team starts cold, the average everyday fan, their reaction to this is going to be, wait, 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 wait. They got rid of Hextall and they, they brought in wonder kid Dubas and they got that Carlson guy, right? He's, he just yeah. won the Norris trophy. Yeah, what, a lot how, of how, how, yeah. What's what's going on? They, they, I thought they fixed everything, and instead, he, they they take a step back and they, oh, wait. Oh, no, they're just they're just still a bunch of old guys. Okay, well, in that case, um, and that I think is going to start to become the the narrative over the next few weeks. Uh, uh, again, if the penguin the penguins had a really interesting opportunity, Gavin, in that their first uh, the first quarter of the season or so. You could almost split right in half. The first 11 games, nine of them were against teams that either didn't make the playoffs last year or aren't projected to make them, or maybe be a borderline case like a Calgary this year. The only two games of substance that they really had were tonight and Colorado coming up Thursday, also in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. So they had an opportunity to stack points because the second 11 games, I mean, it's intimidating. It's Jersey. It's Carolina. It's Tampa. It's the Rangers. It's a lot of really tough teams, teams that in all likelihood will finish ahead of them 
in the standings in the Eastern Conference. And so they aren't going to be able to stack a lot of points. And for a team that you would think would be somewhat inspired by not just the way they went out last year, but the fact that ownership decided to go all in on the group that's here, the core, the big three, as we call them in Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang, go all in on the big three and add Eric Carlson um, and make the GM move that they did. Uh, That's, that is, it's not getting paid off on right now. And it's tough to see them go out there and play a third period like they did where, I'll be honest, they look bothered to even be there at yeah, times in the that's third true. year. Yeah. And, and that and that translates itself into the crowd reaction sometimes. And the fact that, you know, the, their their years-long sellout streak was broken uh, about a year and a half ago, I want to say. Um, there is we've reached sort of a doldrums because it has been, you know, five seasons now since they've won a playoff series. And yeah. like it or not, much again, much like Dallas the standard is higher where sports fans say, no, we've got to be competing for championships or else you're not getting it done. And the same thing exists here. And the frustration that exists around the Steelers not winning a playoff game in the last six years has actually gone almost in lockstep with the frustration over the Penguins not winning a series in the last five postseasons and not even qualifying last year. So the frustration is always bubbling right below the surface. And it's... It's kind of like the old the old story about the duck, you know, it looks very calm on the surface, but is just furiously paddling right below the surface. Penguins fans, Pittsburgh sports fans on the surface are kind of like, oh, man, this is this is frustrating. But right below the surface are like, man, I can't believe this. What is going on? We were supposed to take one more good run with these guys. He's Chris Mack of the Fifth Avenue face off. Check it out. Uh, good. Really, really solid. Uh hockey podcast in Pittsburgh and we're talking about tonight's game and there was some physicality, not as much as you'd like to see as a hockey fan, but in the second period, uh, just a, uh, it was one of Chris, one of the weirdest yeah. plays I've seen. Um, it was just, you know, so hit on Radic Foxa mm-hmm. and, and just, knocked out cold playing in his first NHL game. Um, I, I mean, you know, I just felt so bad for John Ludwig. Um, you know, it was a guy that seemed really excited to be in the Penn's locker room, um, which historically, you know, since, especially since Crosby's been there from the outside, we hear yeah. about how great Jamie Alexiak, when he came to the stars, talked about how great that Penn's locker room was. I, I want to get your thoughts on the hit. I, First of all, I felt as though they kind of dragged him off the ice. I would love to see a stretcher in the future for those situations. Like, I just didn't feel as though he had his legs even when he was leaving the ice being helped off. Yeah, it was tough to tough to watch. And and credit to uh, at least I don't know what the the uh, the the Dallas uh, side of things uh, showed, but the Pittsburgh side of things, Sportsnet Pittsburgh did a good job of just just panning away from it. You know, yeah, crowd shots and bench shots. Um, because it was, it was scary. You know, you see a guy go down like that and you know, he's out before he hits the ice um, here in Pittsburgh. Anyway, it's for, for fans of a certain age, which is probably like 35 and older. Um, it's always reminiscent, eerily reminiscent of Kevin Stevens being hit mm. by Rich Pilon in the 93 playoffs. He was out before he hit the ice. And because he was KO'd before he hit the ice, he had no control and he hit the ice face first, had to have like major, Facial yeah. reconstruction surgery changed Kevin Stevens' career. 
at that point. Um, But, you know, that's 30 years ago. This wasn't nearly as bad, thankfully. But you're right. John Ludwig, just just a guy out there making his NHL debut. Right. And 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 coming at it, you know, play comes from a a, he's Czech uh, Czech born, but comes from a WHL background. So his whole background is speed and intensity. Right. That's how they play out in the WHL. Everybody's flying around trying to make a name for themselves, looking for a hit, looking to make a big play. And they brought him in to kind of goose this team, give it a little bit of energy. Yeah. He he brought it. I thought, you know, he got hung out to dry a little bit on, uh, I want to say it was, um, uh, the Dadunov goal. Um, but then right after that, he, yeah, that, that hit. And it looked like his face caught Fox's helmet and knocked him out. That's what I was thinking, because you look at the contact and, you know, basically it was head on, but it wasn't like, yeah. you know, shoulder into the face or anything like that. And uh, I think Radic Fox was stunned. Yeah, you, you could see him over on the bench afterwards looking at the iPad, just sort of scrubbing back and forth on the footage, trying to figure yeah. out what had happened. And he did. He looked totally unfazed by it, even though at, at initial contact, it looked like Ludwig got the better of it. But uh, obviously he didn't. And And that put the Penguins in a situation where, you know, they had to play with 5D the rest of the way. I think in some cases it gave the Penguins maybe a look at some things they could try later. Like Ryan Graves looked okay with Eric Carlson. Um, Chris Letang skating with Marcus Pedersen again, I think, is something to keep an eye on. But you're just trying to you're just trying to keep legs fresh at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Pittsburgh 0 for 3 on the power play. Stars 0 for 2. So no one really got it going on the uh, power play. I thought uh, one of the key moments in the game was – uh, pens did have a short four on three power play yeah. that the, uh, stars were able to uh, keep them at bay. Yeah. You know, that should lend itself to the, the, the penguins, right? With all the skill out there, you would think that they would be able to make the most of the open ice, but actually I, I think I've found that, you know, you know, it's rare you get a four on three, but in this era of, again, the big three, the core three, as we call them, um, it actually lends itself to this power play playing more patty cake than they do even at five on four. Like it's everybody's sitting around the perimeter and everybody's waiting for the perfect shot. And that even continued into the third. You know, there was a point where the Penguins got a late power play that if they score on it, it's got an opportunity to get them back in the game. And instead what you got was at one point during that that same power play, Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby each had an opportunity down low in the right-hand circle to grip it and rip it. And neither one of them did. They elected to pass. And they each got an opportunity to get a shot off a couple seconds later. Gensel was in the high slot by the time he got the puck back. Crosby got it right back on a, on a sort of give and go um, and ripped one from the very same spot in the right circle. But by that time, you know, the goalie has, has tracked it at that point. Ottinger was on it. The puck had come from low out to the circle. Crosby does not take the shot. And instead, it comes back to him a second time. And Ottinger's in better position to read the play and make the save. And that's unfortunately been the problem with this power play. They brought in Eric Carlson, which should sort of unlock some things, but instead we're getting the same philosophy of pass, 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 keep it around the perimeter. They don't really have anybody of significant size on the inside to play in either the bumper position or right in front of the net. And it's, it's lent itself to a a lot of empty power play opportunities, including that four on three you mentioned. 
Yeah, one one of the players that, you know, shockingly, it was kind of an under-the-radar signing by Jim Nill and the Stars is Craig Smith, just a veteran uh, who's played with a number of teams and played really well once again. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of talked on the podcast, you know, maybe we'll be a healthy scratch. and can come in. It provides that depth that the Stars needed in case of injury. But, uh, you know, the way he started, he's found himself in a fourth line, you know, just a, yeah. just a solid. And we're, t- you know, we talked the other day about that depth and Craig Smith is a, a perfect example, a guy that can kind of move up in lines and he's a big body kind of struggled with some injury over his career, but just a, just a solid NHL or really paying some dividends for a, for a cheap salary cap salary. Yeah, I thought he had a great game, to be honest. Thought, yeah. um, he, he Especially when he was with Marchman and Foxa, I thought that trio looked really good. Delandria, I thought, did, did not have a fantastic game. And so I think when Smith was able to get away from Delandria, that helped him a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's what you need out of a fourth line. I mean, you look at high danger chances in particular, um, that fourth line, I think, I want to say they generated three and and had none against Marchment, Foxa, and Smith. So that's if you that's the one thing again to bring it back to the Pittsburgh perspective on this that people have been clamoring for is get us a depth line that isn't just going to hold serve, so to speak. Get us a depth line that can produce some offense. And there's some hope, even despite a a game like tonight's, that Redeem Zahorna, Lars Eller, and Drew O'Connor can be that. They just called Zahorna up. A couple days ago, they had a great game that line in St. Louis, despite losing there on Saturday night. They had another quality effort tonight. Um, they also uh, shut out the opposition in high danger chances for nothing. So uh, it, that line is finding something, but the fourth line, Nieto, Achari, and Jeff Carter is struggling. And again, other than the top line of Crosby, Gensel, and Rust, or Eric Carlson, they're not generating really a lot of even strength offense. It's something they're going to have to figure out. I mean, it might get to the point where it's just, Hey, if you're, if it's not the top line, it's just Carlson and go, um, you know, let, let, let Latang and Graves play with the top line more often than not. Let Eric Carlson soak up as many minutes as he can outside of that. And just, Hey, win the face off, get it back to 65 and get out of the way because, you know, he, he has the ability to do that. Does it lead to some turnovers? Yeah, we saw one tonight in particular um, where they actually got a great play by Marcus Pedersen to break up a two-on-one. But I, I'll take the offensive ability because the Pens right now are just having such a hard time generating offense at even strength. Bud, you're a good partner, man. Maybe I should get rid of Ludwig. <laughs> He'd beat me up. He'd come after me. He'd pull my sweater over my head. No, he beat me up first and you'd have time to run. I've challenged him to fights now for four years and he's said no every single time. I'm like, let's drop the mitts. Let's just end. This is what they do in hockey. And yeah, he just pushes me to the side, even when we're in public, which is, which is pretty rare, but uh, it's, it's pretty funny because you would think like off the spits and suds podcast, it would be different, but we do some charity events sometimes and people are like, wow, you guys are exactly the same. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Now I just have to sit for three hours while Craig beats me up verbally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, tell them if, you know, if you guys ever need to go, you know, you ever need a three man uh, line, you know, I'm I'm there. I'll I'll just, just like my, my old intramural days at Penn state, I will just go to the front of the net, try hit that tripod stance with the, with the blade down and the blue paint 
and just let somebody bounce a puck in off of my stick and (laughs) throw the hands up. You are the man, Spits and Suds fans. Check out Fifth Avenue Faceoff. He's Chris Mack of our sister station, The Fan in Pittsburgh. My friend, we got to do this more often. Thank you so much for coming on after the game. I love getting the opposition perspective because we talk stars a lot, but from a Pittsburgh perspective, as far as what you saw tonight, I think it's really valuable for our listeners. No, and I really appreciate you asking me on, Gavin, and for coming on Fifth Avenue Faceoff the other day to give us a perspective on just what the Penguins were going to be up against coming into this one. I think, you know, Penguins fans knew that this was going to be a tough couple of games at home this week against Dallas and Colorado, but to get the preview that you gave us the other day really kind of crystallized a lot of things. And uh, we saw it, we saw it play out tonight. So uh, best of luck to the stars going forward. I want to see that team do well. I got family in Texas. So uh, by all means go stars, just not when you play the penguins, if you could take it easy when they meet again in March, that would be. Well, yeah. Likewise, do not take it easy on Thursday night. Okay, we'll Colorado do our best. just is not losing, so please take care of Colorado. It's weird seeing an undefeated Stars team in second place in the yeah. Central. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll we'll do our best. We'll see if the Pens can actually figure some things out. All right, my friend, go get some rest.